you know, just being there is really, really important. And I think as human beings, we tend to, and I know I've done this too, like how much have I learned? I've shied away from funerals because, oh, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to call them. And it's so the wrong thing to do to back up. It's the best thing to do to go forward, to reach out and to say, how can I support you? And don't shy away from it. You're listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Calling to our show today, we have Victor and Libby Boyce. The Boyces are the parents of Cameron Boyce, an actor most notably from the Disney Channel. He passed away at the age of 20 in July of 2019. Victor and Libby Boyce started the Cameron Boyce Foundation in his honor. Mr. and Mrs. Boyce, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. I want to extend my condolences for the loss of your son, and I also want to say how strong you both must be to be able to openly discuss what I can only imagine is an extremely painful chapter in your lives. Well, we often say that people say we're strong, but we look at it as like we have no alternative. We were blindsided by what happened to our son and this all kind of came about as a reaction, a gut check reaction to Cameron's passing. So I don't think it's about strength so much as about it was almost primal and guttural. It just hurt so bad. So we reacted with a passion. In addition to mourning your son's passing, you also had all of this media attention. What was it like to be in a national spotlight during what I can only imagine was a devastating time? Well, it's kind of a double-edged sword. On one hand, it's amazing the support that we receive from strangers, you know, worldwide. It's just been overwhelming. And it continues to this day, more than two years after his passing, you know, we're constantly bombarded with messages of support and love, which is great. But the flip side of that is we're constantly reminded of what happened. And, you know, there's, it's sometimes it's a burden to have so much attention because everyone wants to tell you how sorry they are. Everyone wants to approach. I just went to the bike store five minutes ago. And the first thing the kid behind the counter told me is he's sorry. And so just the daily bombardment of condolences is good and bad in the sense that we, we can never get a break from it. I would just add that I think in the beginning, we were in such shock And you can't equate how you were for the first few months to how we are now, because really grief is a journey and it's so traumatic that your body does weird things. And I remember the first probably two or three months, I had a lot of adrenaline and I was trying to use my usual coping skills to like make it better, <laughs> to figure out how I problem solve, and it wasn't working. These are things you become acutely aware of, but at the time I wasn't acutely aware of that. So over time, it's really an internal isolative process. Even though my husband and I are both going through a grieving process, his is different than mine, and you can only do it alone in a way. I have support. I have my husband. I have my daughter and Cameron's extended village of people. But ultimately, the grieving process is a very, very lonely process. 
Mr. Boyce, as you mentioned, you're just going along with your daily life and somebody brings it up and that sort of brings it all flooding back. I'm thinking about Cameron's new movie. He's got a new movie coming out, Runt. He obviously filmed it before his death, but it's just now being released. What's that like for you? Because your your son is a, a star. He's going to be front and center again. And I, I imagine that that's, that's wonderful, right? This is what he loved doing, but also... There's just a lot. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, anything that he's been in, you know, I have a great sense of pride. Cameron and I kind of came up in the industry together, me as the dad and then as the dadager. And then as just, you know, as he grew older and, and did more of his own business, I would just watched him go from a little boy to a young man to a man. So I always have tremendous pride when I see Cameron do things. And also, I love to see him animated. Obviously, since he's not around anymore, I love to see him here. But again, there's always a flip side. The flip side is that I can't talk to him about it. I can't give him a hug. I can't tell him how proud I am of him. I can't share the joy and the sense of pride that he had in his own work. You know, he put a lot into this final role. He took it very seriously and he it shows in his performance. And so since he's not here for us to celebrate that, that's, it's devastating. So everything is great and, and horrible at the same time. People reminding me with good intentions, they, they remind me and thank you for the condolences, but you know, it sucks. Everything that I have been able to find about your son, just describe him as a child actor, a Disney Channel star, but that's not how you knew him. Can you tell us what your son was like outside of the spotlight, just as your son? Well, I think every parent is biased, but really for us, we believe that he came in with a little extra sauce, if you will, a little, I don't know, pixie dust. He was extremely talented with athletics and dance, and he had a very internal way of processing the world around him. And we just feel like he was an old soul. He was very wise. He was very calm. He was very even. Nothing really rattled him. He was just an absolute joy. And I think Vic and I really just felt like, how do we get this amazing human who was so kind to everybody, who was always about the underdog, who was the sweetest big brother you could ever, ever want. And my daughter used to say that her friends were jealous because Cameron was so sweet to her and, you know, other big brothers were so mean. And he just had a way of touching people and connecting to people. And he really cared about the world and about social justice and diversity and equity and no bullying and those things. I mean, that's just who he was to his core. He was also a goofy goofball, you know, he would hit around like crazy and it was hard to get a good picture of him without, you know, a funny face. I mean, he was just an incredible human who I think would have done such great things in this world. Mrs. Boyce, you've commented before about the lack of etiquette that some people have or that some people don't know what to say in the wake of such an event and that we're really just not taught what to do. And you wish that wasn't the case. I, I believe somewhere I read that, that you were hoping to write a book about how to help people interact with people who have gone through such a tragic loss. We're just not taught how to handle things like this. We're largely 
taught to avoid them. Yeah. I think everybody's different in what they need. And that's, it's really key to just find out what it is that they need. For example, for me, I have a really hard time looking at pictures and videos. I have a hard time looking at his friends moving on. I have a hard time in his, you know, what used to be his bedroom. Other people take great joy in that. So I have people in my support group, for example, who who sleep in their child's room and it gives them comfort. You know, so we're all very different. And I think what's really key is finding out what it is that that person needs, as opposed to making assumptions. It's definitely a very, very difficult subject to broach. And so kind of approaching it as you're a blank slate, learning what that person needs and being there to support that person, I think is really important. Making comments, religious comments about they're in heaven or they're in a better place. All of that is really should not be shared unless a person has expressed that to you as something that they believe, then you could kind of reinforce that. But those things are very painful to hear if that's not something that gives you comfort. So I think it's just really important to ask that person, what do you need? What can I do for you? And just be there for them. Sometimes it's just being there and spending time with them and and please talk about the person because it's like they didn't just go away and they're you know not in your world anymore. This is somebody that was incredibly important to our lives who we love very deeply and talking about him does bring us joy still. Let's stay on that track for just a second. I, I guess I want to clarify if, if somebody walked up and said, do you remember that time that Cameron did X? Or I wanted to ask you about Cameron. Many people think that this is opening an old wound, but you're, you're saying it, it actually has the opposite effect. It, it's very comforting and and it, it means something to you and you would enjoy that. Is that, am, am I stating that correctly? I think you are. I, I think the difference is that if you approach it that way, then you can relate a good memory. But what people tend to do is bring up the death, just that, or, or be so sorry and, you know, feel sorry for yeah, us. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's the difference between a downer and something that could be uplifting. It's as simple as that. People say these things to us with good intentions. I mean, they're not trying to bring us down, but that's the effect when they just go straight there as opposed to, man, I remember that day, you know, Cameron hit eight free throws in a row and I'll be like, yeah, that was cool. And that was so much fun. And and that will be a good memory as opposed to, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I've heard, you know, literally a million times at this point. I'm just numb to it. And again, it's not like I don't appreciate it, but it doesn't help at all. It doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel bad. That's the difference. It's just a small thing that can make it either comforting or just more needles in my heart. And, And I would just say like when Cam first died for me, like an immediate thought was that he would be forgotten. And I know that sounds crazy because he has so many fans. But hearing people's memories and what they loved about Cameron or, you know, a day they spent with him, it like keeps his memory alive. So hearing that is like they're not just rushing under the carpet and being uncomfortable with us. They're feeling free to talk to us about that. 
I really appreciate you saying that because as our listeners know, if they were paying attention, I started the whole podcast by saying, I'm sorry for your loss. And, you know, I did that because I I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Right. And as I'm listening to you speak, I thought, you know, that's interesting. I only did that because I thought that I was supposed to do it. And doesn't that change the narrative a little? It wasn't necessarily, I don't want to say that I'm an unkind person, but it was sort of an autopilot. And it sounds to me like you're trying to get people off autopilot. It's very autopilot and it comes off as trite and meaningless because everyone says it. You know, I mean, I'm going to tell you another story. People have a tendency to say um, when they greet you instead of saying hello, or they, they say, hey, how are you doing? So one day after Cameron passed, my neighbor, who we love, is a good friend. We've known her for years. She sees me in the street. She goes, hey, Vic, how are you doing? And I literally wanted to hurt her because I'm like, what do you mean? How am I doing? Cameron died yesterday. You know how I'm doing. And she didn't think about it. It's just what people say just comes out. And it just made me infuriated because it's like, you didn't think that through. What do you mean? How am I doing? The worst thing possible just happened to me. How do you think I'm doing? Like, what kind of question is that? And and I kind of put, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. Not quite in that same category, because like I said, you know, that's a little more, you know, you're trying to be be nice and, and say something nice, but it really is very not effective for me anyway. Maybe some people will react differently, but for us, it's like, okay, we got to do this a different way. Say something meaningful to me, something that that has some depth to it, as opposed to just the trite things that everybody else says. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really about how can I support you? Obviously, in the situation with you, Gabe, is that, you know, we don't know you personally, you know, it's it's different. So it, is, it different. is, I guess, appropriate to say that because otherwise you're sort of not addressing the elephant in the room in this context. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gabe Howard here to tell you about the Inside Bipolar podcast from Healthline Media. He does the show with me. Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. That's right. A guy living with bipolar and a psychiatrist team up to discuss living well with bipolar disorder. Listen now on your favorite podcast player or visit psychcentral.com slash IBP to learn more. Subscribe now so you don't miss out. Hi there. I'm Faye McCray, editor-in-chief of Psych Central. Whether you're looking for free resources, quizzes, or thought-provoking personal perspectives, Psych Central has what you need to join you on your mental health journey. Psych Central's talented team of award-winning writers, editors, and medical professionals are passionate about creating a safe, inclusive, and trustworthy environment where you feel seen and heard. Visit us now at psychcentral.com. That's psychcentral.com. We're back with Victor and Libby Boyce, parents of the late actor Cameron Boyce. 
And this brings me to my next question, which is absolutely for both of you. Would you rather people say the wrong thing or would you rather people say nothing at all? Mm. For me, nothing at all. Yeah. I mean, neither one is a good option, but I think the least of the two is nothing at all. Because when you say the wrong thing, it could just set somebody off or, or just really wreck their day. But again, that's hard because most people, they're doing it with good intention. So I, I don't hold it a grudge or, or against anybody that said something silly to me. In an odd way, I appreciate it, but I'd rather not hear something that's just not helpful and, and doesn't make me feel good. So nothing will be better than something like that. But I would say, you know, life goes on too. Like as an example, at my work, we were on a call and sometimes they do the question of the day to kind of get people loosened up. And the question was, if you had a choice to go into the future path, what would you like to do? And I just lost it because it was just so like, I don't know, it just hurt my heart so much. And of course, my answer was the past and I would change the circumstances. But like the question of the day is something that they do sometimes. I can't stop everything from making me think about Cameron. I wish I could. So there are things that like people sort of do more like, I don't know, assertively or aggressively. And then there's just regular day things. And, and I'm reminded of him all throughout my day. Every day, everywhere I go, everything I see, everything, everything reminds me of Cameron. So I don't try to shy away from it. I don't avoid certain areas or things or foods because it reminds me of him because I don't want to forget him and, and it's part of my life forever and it doesn't hurt me to think about him. It only hurts when people only consider the sadness of it. Another good example, like I'm still friends with a lot of his friends. You know, they're all young men and women now and we talk from time to time. Some of them will send me like a picture of them with Cameron and stuff just as a reminder. And, and it's great. I, and I like those things. It just reminds me of the fun he used to have with them and how close they are and, and how they think of him well. They don't just call me and say, oh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah. You know, they provide good memories and, and good experiences. And those things help a lot. It really warms my heart to know that they genuinely still love him and miss him dearly. And they hold on to the good memories as opposed to the tragedy that happened. And there's a lot of people who have epilepsy who have gone to their doctor and gotten better direction because of Cameron's mm -hmm. death. So there are things like even in his death that he has done to improve the world. And that's what we're trying with all our might to focus on. It's important to point out that there's multiple ways to acknowledge anything. You can send a card, you can send flowers, you, you can drop a note. But I kind of want to flip the, the script a little bit because we've talked about all the wrong things to do. Well, what's the right thing to do? How can we encourage people to, to do the right thing to support the people whom, as you've both said all along, are well-intentioned and well-meaning and care about you deeply? People who I have found myself most drawn to during my grieving process are those people who got in my face and didn't leave, <laughs> who continue to reach out to me, who just listened and just were there for me. And the people that I would have expected in some ways to be there and the people who were there in some cases were a little surprising to me. So I think it's just important as a griever to let people know what you need, 
you have to be honest. And it takes a little while to figure out what it is that you need. So don't make pre-assumptions about what they need to hear. And don't say very trite things like Victor's pointing out. Just say, how can I be there for you? What do you need? Do you need a meal? Do you need me to go see your you know, aging mother? Do you need me to go pick up your child at child care? Do you need me to start a meal train? You know, get in there. Get in there. I think that's absolutely beautiful. Let's talk about Cameron's foundation. You started a foundation for epilepsy. Now, I I know very little about epilepsy, and I know even less about SUDEP. Can you explain that to our audience? Sure. So epilepsy is the most common neurological disorder. Um, One in 26 people will have epilepsy in their lifetime. Somebody in your family or friend group has epilepsy. Cameron was diagnosed with epilepsy when he was 17 years old. He only had a few seizures. He was on his medicine at the time. And I think what was really, really lacking was information about epilepsy, the seriousness of epilepsy, and how to stay on top of epilepsy, whether that be a journal of when you're having a feeling you might have a seizure, when to take your medicine every day, to stay hydrated, to not have stress, to get good sleep. All of those things were not shared with us. And information is key to what's in your toolbox. We started the Cameron Boys Foundation, not necessarily a focus you know, on epilepsy, but more focused on things that Cameron was doing in his charitable work. But we've come to a place where we feel as though it's our responsibility and we have a platform to really focus in on epilepsy. Cameron died of something called sudden unexpected death in epilepsy or SUDEP. And really, that's just when somebody has a seizure and they stop breathing or their heart stops um, and they die. Um, And we didn't know that could happen. We had no idea. I was always worried about Cameron like falling and hitting his head or being in the hot tub and drowning. Like, those were the things I worried about. I did not worry about him going to bed and not waking up. There's not enough information out there. There's not enough research on epilepsy. People are not talking about it. We've just found it. it's our responsibility to talk about it and to try to bring attention to it and to provide tools to healthcare providers and to people who are diagnosed with epilepsy. I think that's a wonderful legacy for your son. Now, his movie, which just came out, it's called Runt. First off, is this his final movie to come out? I don't think it was the last thing he worked on, but it is the final thing to be released. He's the lead in the film. It is an indie film, and it's about a young man who has no parental guidance or role models. And it sort of goes down in a really um, horrific path, really to drive home how important finding a role model, finding a creative outlet, or being a parent who's there is in the life of a young person. Well, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Thank you so much for everything. Before we go, I want to ask about Cameron's sister. Is she doing okay? Yes, Maya's doing great. Maya's a uh, theater major at Berkeley in Boston. And she is thriving. She's always been super strong-willed, for better or worse. In this case, she's making the best of it. And we're super proud of her. And thank goodness we have her, because I don't know what I would do without Maya. 
I just want to thank you and thank your family for everything that you have done. There's not enough information about many illnesses. It, it's why podcasts like this exist. It's why websites like Healthline exist. We're trying to get the information into the hands of the people that need it. So thank you for, for playing a big role uh, in ensuring uh, that people have the information that they need to prevent as many tragedies as we can. I really want all of our listeners to check out Cameron Boyce Foundation. How do they find it? Can they donate? What other projects are you supporting? Absolutely. So first of all, the Cameron Boyce Foundation website is the CameronBoyceFoundation.org.org. There's lots of information about what we do, what's coming up, lots of stuff about Cameron. People love to learn more about him and see what he's done. Um, there's also links to all of our social media pages, the Cameron Boyce Foundation on Instagram, the Wielding Peace Instagram, and that's where you can submit your own pictures for Wielding Peace and get involved and participate. We'd like people to be active in what we're doing. Thank you for having us, and that's our mission is to be helpful, and hopefully we can change some lives and, and make an impact. You are so very welcome. And to all of our listeners, thank you. My name is Gabe Howard, and I am the author of Mental Illness is an Asshole and Other Observations. I'm also an award-winning public speaker who is absolutely available for your next event. My book is on Amazon, or you can get a signed copy with free show swag or learn more about me by heading over to GabeHoward.com. Please follow or subscribe to the show. It's absolutely free. And recommend the show to a friend. Word of mouth still works, but hey, all of the internet methods are good too. I will see everybody next Thursday here on Inside Mental Health. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.